Hello, everybody. Hey, how's it going? Alrighty, so today is November 29th, yep. 2020. This is our second podcast and of the Canadian perspective. We are the Canadian perspective, yes. And remember that name. Today, the RCMP got their cheeks clapped. The richest Canadians are making bank, and Guatemala's parliament was on fire. That's fun right there. That's what we got loaded up for you guys today. I swore already. Bro, Duck (laughs) is going to have to come in and do some stuff. Actually, no, we'll make it a turkey to make it more uh, related to the the United States uh, Genocide Day, wherever the fuck they celebrate. First story of the hour. RCMP sexual harassment court case. That's right. So the RCMP verbally got their cheeks clapped on the Um, 19th of November. Yep. And... uh, uh, so there's a report that was written by the, the former Supreme Court Justice uh, Michael Bastar- Basterak. Basterak? That sounds right. That's how it's pronounced. It's kind of a weird spelling. Uh, whose team assessed, uh, especially for the more rural areas, in 650 women, nearly 650 women, who said they'd experienced harassment or discrimination while working for the RCMP. And Fuck. It details allegations of bullying, intimidation, and assaults ranging from unwanted kissing and groping to, quote, serious penetrative sexual assaults, end quote. So the RCMP, for those who might not be Canadian, I mean, but, you know, most of you probably Every, everybody's are. Everybody's Canadian listening to this at the moment. But uh, if you're is, not- a, is a paramilitary police force that is organized federally. Yeah. And it's royally. Is one of the, in some provinces, one of the main police forces. In the executive summary of the report, it, uh, it stated that, uh, quote, one of the key findings of this report is that the culture of the RCMP is toxic and tolerates misogynistic and homophobic attitudes amongst its leaders and members. This culture has resulted in incalculable damage to female members of the RCMP as well as those working for the public service. A change in the culture of the RCMP is essential, end quote. One of the claimants said, uh, quote, I worked in the social and emotional environment of alienation. Men and women of the day all understood that to be a female officer was to be second class and that men were more worthy than women, end quote. So that's a pretty damning um, quotation that I took from from the the article that I grabbed this from. The article in question was from CTV News. So examples that were laid out. Um, in these claims was uh, one of them being a claimant being removed from or not allowed to go on courses as a form of reprisal for not agreeing to a sexual relationship with a supervisor or for complaining about harassment. So she didn't agree not to uh, file a complaint. So then she was punished for that through the system. No, she, she did file. She complained about the harassment. Yeah, I know, but uh, she complained about it and therefore... And wasn't allowed to go on courses. Yeah. Because some so dude said, repressed. hey, hey, let's fuck. Yeah. And then she said, no. And then... That's some, like, Harvey Weinstein shit right there. Well, yeah, I mean, that's... <laughs> like, fuck. That's what's happening. And then another one is uh, accounts of sexual assault and gender-based discrimination arising out of specialized teams, such as the undercover team, the tactical teams, the canine unit, and the musical ride program. Bro, those, the handsy <laughs> fellers in the musical ride program. Another example was penetrative sexual assaults. Pejorative comments, sexualized comments in the workplace, and LGBTQ members being outed without their consent, which is, which is pretty that's, that's scummy. Pretty, that's pretty fucked up. Yeah. Just in general. You just, yeah, that's fucked up. This isn't, so, this isn't hard to believe, being that they're police. 
sort of a culture they have, a well, dude bro so culture that's up, like that's unbelievable, my dude. Yeah, well, it just supports a toxic, a toxic environment. Yeah, I mean, we have these problems. I mean, they are a paramilitary organization. They have yeah. a semi-militaristic uh, hierarchy. Yeah, in terms that you have a um, it was military in form. Yes, type thing. So. Uh, and, and problems, there are problems in the military too, and there are massive uh, a rape problem in, in the military uh, of, of male soldiers raping female soldiers. That's a real issue. And so it's not surprising to see this, this sort of uh, boys club attitude, even though women have been, avail- have been, have been able <laughs> to join the RCMP for quite a long time, yeah. that, that, uh, that sort of boys club mentality has continued yeah it's continued right through when they they're treating these people like uh like second class citizens there which is not okay as objects really one of the one of the women uh mentioned that that uh, situation was it was from you know just sexual comments to like pulling her top open and grabbing her breasts like real like overt shit actual that was an actual one that's actual and that's almost unbelievable yeah how is that considered okay well, it's not considered okay. That's the point. No, but the thing is, is that other people in the organization. Yeah. So that's the problem. Systematically, um, it's all biased towards um, just keeping a quiet, safe face type thing for their organization. Right. And then because they're doing that, they're repressing the, um, the victims. And then they're allowing the uh, perpetrators of this harassment to just continue on. Right. And if you want to know how prevalent these... The, this, the amount of misogyny, um, 2,304 women received compensation out of the total of 3,086 claims. Um, uh, claims were rejected uh, not based on, well, they were rejected based on like gender yeah. or sexual orientation based things. So it's not saying that they didn't happen. So I'm sure that those people who were rejected also felt wronged in some way. Yeah. Uh, well, by the system. Obviously, because they're, they're making a fucking claim. Right. Right. But the government has paid out uh, $137.4 million as part of this process and $125.4 million of which went to the claimants and the rest in legal fees to the firms that acted as class counsel. Now, also the... Um, Compiler of the report, Bastarak, has made 52 recommendations for change, including uh, to training, recruitment, job postings, human resource policies, and such like that. So, so what you actually need here is harsh pen- penalties. Well, they already for, have a zero tolerance. They already have a zero tolerance? Policy, yes. But then why, why is this still going on? How because is this still the, going on? the higher-ups don't, don't think it's, it's grave enough, or they didn't think it was a problem. Well, obviously that there is, so there has to be harsher penalties now, like already, like they have to enforce that. It doesn't look like they are. Right. Right. Which is why they need to have a federal, uh, inquiry into it. Yeah. Well, they need to look into it and make sure that they get those pieces of shit out of there, basically. Well, I mean, now you have, I think this is also part of the good cop, bad cop argument in some ways where like what they're saying is. This was a toxic uh, environment. So it wasn't just the dudes who were uh, directly sexual assaulting yeah, directly are the ones the that assault. are, they are, of course, the most culpable, but still the people who were standing by and let it happen are not doing anything. You know, aren't doing anything. So they're guilty. They are by also being biased. They are also part of the toxic culture. Yeah. 
is and and the reason why I mentioned the whole good cop bad cop thing as well. You have bad cops who uh, you know uh, beat the shit out of people uh, in handcuffs and punch people in the face and kill you know people. all stuff and yeah shoot and and kill people for you know and escalate situations and those are the bad cops. But then you have the quote unquote good cops or just police officers who are viewing the whole situation that never step in. They never stop the, the situation from going down that way. They never attempt to rein in the other officer. Mm. And they're also part of the problem. And so that's why it's, it's, that's why they're, you know, it's not just the bad apples. It's, it's the whole bunch. Mm-hmm. So that, that's why I think, uh, it's going on with, with that. So, I mean, yeah. it's, it's, so it's just another thing you can talk about, uh, how shitty cops are. That's right. Anyways. Vaccines in Canada. Let's let's talk about that for a minute. Many of you probably already heard that uh, vaccines are being made. We covered it um, in the last podcast, and now they've announced when they're going to uh, distribute them and how they're going to be distributed. And Justin Trudeau commented on that. So, start off the story. Uh, the U.S. and the U.K. are planning to start distributing uh, the new vaccines in uh, this December. I believe on the 12th is the plan. Vaccines are coming from Pfizer and Moderna, as we talked about last time. I don't believe uh, that there's going to be any problems with them. Well, um, we hope not. We hope not. Because remember, this process, the process for... Has sped up, is sped up dramatically. Right, specifically for this COVID-19 yeah, vaccine. So get the, it out. So the year or so needed of medical trials uh, has not necessarily been put in. Yeah. For these vaccines. So these maybe, uh, vaccine companies are also the least trustworthy. Right. Pfizer is, as we said in the last one, has paid, paid out a significant amount of money for false claims yeah. about their drugs. And Moderna has never released a product. So, <laughs> you know. Uh, uh, yeah, but I, I still think that it'll probably be okay. We hope, I think to, it'll we come hope out. to Jeebus it is. If I was going to uh, bet, I would bet it'll come out. Um, uh, the FDA still has to approve it. December 10th, right? So it's not even approved yet. So, but the plan is for uh, 12th, and that's what we're going to stick with. Canada, on the other hand, is not sure when we will receive the vaccine due to a lack of facilities able to make it domestically. According to Justin Trudeau himself, you said it. And that's, that's not good. Unfortunately, that's not good. Apparently, we used to like 50 years ago or something. And then uh, we got rid of the facilities that make vaccines. Now, we do actually make vaccines. We're just not able to make it on the scale that we need it for. I think Canada ordered like 480 million uh, doses, something like that. Um, Canada does make um, the annual influenza vaccine. Which uh, 40% of Canadians get. So yeah. That's good. But Which this... is good, but it's, that's only like... Uh, 40% of the population. That's the amount of vaccines they need. That problem... We don't have the... Well, the problem is we don't have the facility to, uh, to make that, that many uh, vaccines. So we have to rely on the United States and the UK and other places. Right. And that's, that weakens us uh, on the international scale when you rely yeah. so much on uh, importing vaccines from other nations. So uh, the NDP, NDP's leader Jagmeet Singh... Recently, when he was doing a special event on... He played Among Us. On Twitch. AOC. Yes, he played... Who else was there? Uh, well, there was other Twitch other gamers on there. So, and Q- um, uh, political. XQC. 
Uh, Hassan Piker, I believe, hosted it. Hassan Piker, for those formerly who... from the Young Turks, right? Hassan Piker is a uh, Twitch live streamer who is political and is a uh, is a far left. He's a coomer, progressive. That's <laughs> we don't know that. We don't know that. That's right. And and he he gave us a bit of a a early announcement on there that they will be proposing a bill in the House or a motion or negotiating something. Yeah. To to have vaccines manufactured in Canada with public funding. Yes. Therefore, lowering our reliance on other nations yep. and uh, private companies to, to, to make these vaccines for us and import them into Canada. Yeah. Of course, we know that if like, the U.S. is going to be making the vaccines, they're going to hoard the initial um, product until they're good, like mm. they're covered, and they're able to get enough vaccines for their people. And then it's going to go out to the rest of the um, world type thing. So uh, the U.S. could start getting uh, vaccinated in December, while Canada will probably have to wait till February, maybe even March. That's ridiculous. To get the vaccine, which is it's because we don't have the facilities. And, That's and, solely it. And the United That's States is not it. very trustworthy considering that um, uh, PPE shipment that was headed to Germany in April, yep. uh, that... The United States confiscated, actually. I think Trump invoked a, a, a Korean War era law that, that meant that they couldn't uh, export those things to uh, other countries. So they basically stole their masks. And so they're not very trustworthy when it comes to uh, sharing the resources in this vaccine situation. Right. It was in the water, right? Shipping. Yeah. And they redirected it back to the U.S., yeah, pretty messed up. That's from uh, the BBC. So yeah. that's, that's trustworthy. That's trustworthy. Um, Jagmeet Singh played among us. So yeah, as we mentioned, <laughs> Jagmeet uh, leaked that, that information yep. about a future negotiation or a motion or bill in the house. Yep. And uh, he leaked that on Twitch when he was playing Among Us, um, we might have mentioned before, um, which is a, a video game, popular yep. video game right now. Um, that's multiplayer where you have, you know, crew members on a ship and they all have tasks. Everybody knows what Among Us is. And if you don't, just go look it up. We might have older listeners, you know. You should know. You should know. Well, what if they don't? Um, I'm calling them out on their bullshit. That is, (laughs) okay, alrighty. Sure thing. Uh, but anyways, yeah, and so, it was, because Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez from the United States, she did that once before. With, um, she's the most, she's probably the most famous congresswoman. Right now, yes, yeah. because her Twitter has a, a ridiculous amount of followers. I, sh- I should say congressperson. Like, she's not the most famous woman, she's the most famous con- in Congress. Uh, she has the biggest following online. Nancy Pelosi. I guess Nancy Pelosi would be, but like, right. AOC has the biggest following online. Yeah. Yes. Right? And that was uh, extremely successful, her, her first stream. Yeah, what was, didn't she break a record? Yeah, she had 400,000 uh, viewers at one point during the live stream, which is yeah. the l- highest viewer peak for a first time stream. And also it got her into the top, I think, 15 of yeah. highest viewed streams uh, on Twitch ever. Okay. So it was a massive, massive success. success. and. So she did it again. 
And yeah. but this time she brought on Jagmeet Singh, which is the Jug leader. Meat, sorry, yeah. Which is the leader of the NDP. That was actually really interesting. I watched the stream. Yeah, Jagmeet um, Singh was just slaying people. He was yeah. doing really well. He, he was murking dudes left and right. He got imposter like every round. <laughs> we just wanted to mention that that this outreach, this form of outreach to it's... the the younger audience, which albeit already. Uh, leans progressive to yeah, begin they, with they might not but, know who jake meat is right but we we would also have to say that the younger demographics yeah. are also the ones that are more likely to sit out of the election that's true and so well. having the progressives you know make more entertainment outreaches like mm -hmm. streaming on twitch playing popular video games doing other things such as that then maybe they'll they'll influence some of the younger people who maybe aren't into politics to, yeah. to perhaps get into it to see how that's cool that's not just all boring old people talking about you know issues with uh taxes or whatnot yeah. and that end up maybe not directly affecting them yeah so uh we commend them for doing uh it makes sense it's a good move um it's it's the way the world's going now because mm -hmm. less and less people are watching tv which is usually where um the politicians put their ads up is on tv right, right. Um, and, uh, they also do like door to door, lots of the uh, smaller ones, at least. Yeah. The grassroots candidates. Grassroots guys. And, um, so just being able to, uh, get to an audience that big, half a million people. Right. And AOC's audience isn't a overlap of Jake meets either. So it's a lot of, um, um, a lot of us people, but it's still a lot of progressives and a lot of people mm -hmm. tuning in to learn who Jake meet is. And a lot of Jake Meat's support right now is very domestic in Canada. No right. one really outside Canada knows about him because he's not that big of a politician comparative right. to like Justin Trudeau. Right. Right. The, incumbent, the, the incumbent advantage. Yeah. Right. That the, uh, the sitting prime minister has. So he has that. And now you get all this extra people from um, AOC and Hassan Piker and all these uh, big Twitch people mm -hmm. spreading his message. And that's just going to grow his support. And they did talk uh, directly about policy in some of the chats in between yeah. rounds. And that was uh, very eye-opening. It was specifically talked about how healthcare, what healthcare is like in Canada, but also mentioned the shortfalls, which usually are left out uh, yeah. in these conversations about how we do not cover uh, dental care. We do not cover pharmacare. And mentioned how New Zealand does do these things. Yeah. And how ridiculous... Uh, it is when um, respective politicians, especially in the United States, state that this is not possible to have yeah. a, a single payer healthcare system to it's do goofy. these, to do the all these things. The only place that doesn't, yeah, the to only do... like first world country, right? That doesn't have healthcare, which is like mm, also mm. The, the main also, superpower. Also, Canada's pretty shit too. We only have the healthcare part and not the dental or pharma, which is which is a part of healthcare. Part. Yeah, so it's an important like, part of your health. It's still pretty f more, it's more right than the rest of the world on this issue, even though we like to think that we have a very progressive uh, stance on healthcare and shit. We're very proud right. of it. Right. It's not that great. It could be better. Right. Oh, and also you talked about the uh, Canada's response to the COVID-19 yes. um, epidemic and how uh, we had the $2,000 a month for a while, but that was phased out. Yeah. Um, and now they have the CERW and, and it's more and, for businesses and, now, right? For businesses. And well, such. the, the CERB was sort of absorbed by EI. So EI is now giving out instead of 55% of your, uh, previous wage, they're just giving out 500 bucks a week, mm -hmm. basically, I think. 
It might be 450. I don't know. Anyways, um, one of the highlights I thought was uh, AOC. Her her mind exploded when Jake Mead Singh talked about how we have uh, publicized um, car insurance in some provinces. Right. He he. So like MPI and shit. He highlighted some of the successes of the provincial parties. That when he was asked why is it that it, it appears that uh, the federal NDP does not perform so well in in elections, it, but uh, he mentioned that provincially they have much had better. success, much better, uh, and formed government in many provinces. And and one of the their crowning accomplishments was uh, publicizing or nationalizing the insurance industry in Manitoba. Um, yeah. Um, also other places. Right. But uh, like MPI for us, we are from Manitoba. We know MPI. It's mm-hmm. um, lots of people hate it. Well, I, I always say, it, I always say that when people complain about uh, Manitoba public insurance, it's because it's an insurance company. Yeah. It's not because it's bad. Companies. It's not because it's bad. It's, it's actually one of the cheapest. That's right. In Canada. Yeah. yeah. Well, you don't. You don't have an option. That's what most people get pissed off about. Relatively cheap uh, compared to the rest of Canada, which I think is relatively cheap compared to the world. So. Right. Which we should move from that yeah. onto having a public option or perhaps nationalizing our telecommunications industry. Yeah. Um, I, I think we should have a public option, personally. At least a public option. I don't think we should nationalize it, but a well, public option. Well, we'll see what happens if the public definitely... option happens and then everybody goes on to it. Yeah, that might be that and might then, be a situation specifically. So what we're talking about is public option, government run uh telecommunications company. So like MTS before it was privatized. Um right. it keeps the it keeps the uh prices down because they can operate at a loss or they can even if they operate at a profit, they could send back checks to you like a cooperative. Right. And um, because they're able to run it without a profit, um, so they're able to run without, uh, without profit, uh, keeping their prices down. So the companies that are running for profit will not be able to... Um, Absorb the loss. Yeah. They so will try to avoid gaining a loss or, or having a, a loss quarterly or yeah. yearly uh, because, of course, that's bad for the company, bad for the shareholders yeah. and... and and they might have to do restructuring and they could end up going bankrupt, right? You know, we all so know how, how private companies it will function. Either, it will either cause the public option to become the a monopoly, basically, because mm-hmm. they're just able to provide the service for such a low um, cost comparatively to the rest of the um, companies, or it'll drive innovation and the rest of the companies will have to figure out a way to give a better product at a lower cost. Now, somebody might say, uh, a conservative might say, well, they already have multiple companies in the market. So why, why are, wouldn't they already be attempting to do that? No, because it's a... Oligopoly. Oligopoly, That's, which yeah. it runs basically... Uh, it's funct- like, it has the same functionality as Monopoly. Yeah, it's, it's run like a Monopoly, just with uh, three separate companies. And it's usually... Uh, it's, they, there's backdoor deals and they stuff don't have that go to on, directly, which they're not allowed to do. They don't have but, to directly communicate through no. a quid pro quo su- situation where they say, uh, I'll do this for you if you just do this for me, yeah. or price fixing uh, where they move their prices in tandem. Yeah. Um, they, uh, instead, it's just th- knowing that they're present in their, uh, and they have the market share that they do and not actively pursuing extremely competitive measures. 
to to and instead maintaining the current status that the company's at because everybody's doing very very well and if they continue competing with each other and prices go down because that's just what competition does in the marketplace um they lose the profit because the prices will have to go down some companies will lose profit and then one company will do better presumably if one uh triumphs yeah which also causes that to become more of a monopoly well then it could be possible that one of them ends up trouncing all the others sufficiently yeah. that it becomes so, a monopoly. But then, so the problem is a lack of competition, right? Yes, in that scenario. And so, by introducing a public option that, by principle, has to uh, pr- do the lowest wages, the, sorry, the lowest price for their products for for your phone and uh, the plan and your plan, right? Yeah. Then that would have to that would force the companies to be competitive. Yeah. So, anyways, as we previously talked about the coronavirus, uh, something to note is that uh, Canada's richest 44 people got $53 billion wealthier since the beginning of the pandemic. So, as you don't you may- make a billion dollars, you steal a billion dollars. Yeah. From your workers. Well, that's, I mean, in order to become a billionaire, you can't, by principle, be a, a moral person. No. Or, or act morally in in have ethical business practices. No. Um, the report from the, this was a report from uh, Canadians for Tax Fairness, which was released on Thursday. Uh, it found that the number of billionaires in Canada and the wealth they hold doubled between 2010 and 2019. And the CTF report also found that Canada's 100 richest people hold as much wealth as the bottom 12 million poorest, which is gross, ridiculous. Gross. Uh, the top 1% Blech. have seen their share of income rise to 26% from 17.9% a decade ago. So, okay, so basically the top 1% of income earners in this country have their sh- total share mm-hmm. of all of the income being made in Canada used to be 17.9% of all total income uh, in 2010. And now it's 26% of all total income earned. So yeah. they are hoarding like crazy. And on the flip side, the poorest half of Canadians, so the bottom 50% of income earners, yeah. their income shrank from 5.9% of all income in Canada in 2010, 2010. to 4.7% in 2020. Yes. So, pe- so the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer. Because of... Um, capitalism. Tri- well, trickle-down economics type thing. That's right. Right? And but, uh, how a capitalism, uh, capitalist system works. That's just how it works. The wealthy are able to accumulate more wealth because just the laws of wealth accumulation. And where do they get that wealth? They steal it from the poor. Well, so from the workers. Workers that don't necessarily have to be poor. No. But they just get it from their workers. Yeah. Or, you know, from... from... So your wages don't go up, but they make uh, billions and billions of dollars more and they just put it onto offshore accounts in uh, Switzerland? Yeah, Switzerland. Well, yeah. Panama. Panama. Um, Shell companies and such. Shit. Mm-hmm. Now, related to the pandemic, the report found that Canada's 44 wealthiest people, all billionaires, grew their wealth by a total of $53 billion between April and October of this year. So this mirrors what, what I'm sure maybe a few of you, if you're paying attention to the news, may have heard about what's going on in the United States. Jeff um, Bezos. The richest man in the world right now, Jeff Bezos, 
increased his personal fortune by some $100 billion this year. Um, he was also the first person officially to reach $200 billion U.S. in net worth. Elon Musk also uh, is now the second richest man, man in the world. Man in the world. Right. He, okay. just, uh, he just became wealthier than uh, Bill Gates as of like a week ago. Uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy. I mean... It's disgusting because these people are held as like amazing, like well, chuds online always yeah. roll out and try and defend them, like oh, Basically. Elon, oh, he's got all these great ideas, man. Yo, he's the one who figured out for the Joe Rogan podcast. He's the yeah. one who figured out how to pick the rockets uh, up after we fire them or something like that. Land the rockets after we use them, so re reusable rockets. Yeah, but he didn't figure it out. No, his he engineers. had scientists that were underpaid compared to other scientists yeah. in the space travel industry yep he's advertised himself to be to, to show himself like a tony stark yeah character but you know he's just uh uh a rich asshole well how did he start how did he uh start with his money everybody's like paypal oh, well he made all his money off paypal little do you know that his dad owned fucking mines he owned mining companies. Oh, so his dad was rich. Yeah, so his dad was rich to start with. Right, so the whole idea of you can start from nothing no, and then you, he you go up. No, he was rich beforehand. Right. He a lot the, of these guys have... He had the money. A lot of these guys were, got, they're part of the good sperm club. Mm-hmm. You know? And... Not many people know that about um, uh, Elon Musk. And the fact that you can have... Hold on. So I don't think you can have... You can be a moral person and see... You know, the homeless problem that we have, Joel Berg, the CEO of Hunger for America, had ca calculated the cost of ending hunger in the U.S. at $25 billion USD. So some of these guys in the United States and these billionaires, they have a tremendous amount of money. They could end, and yeah. um, of course, it's, it's a lot more complex than just throwing money at it yeah. and just making a single transaction. But still, they could pay someone to do it. Right. It's the thing. Your name they would could be literally put, just fund something. Your name and, would be put in history books for a very long time, especially yeah. United States. But they simply Jeff Bezos with the not. money he made this year could fix the hunger in the US and still have seventy five billion dollars left over just right. from the money he acquired this year. Yeah. So fucking scumbag. You kinda have to be immoral uh, at some level to, yeah. to to earn that much money. Yeah. And I, I don't see how you can defend that. How do right. you defend that? I mean, the Walmart family and other family, Amazon, for example, yeah. they pay their workers very little. Yeah. Extremely little. And they are some of the richest, their CEOs are some of the richest. The Walmart family is actually yeah. one of the richest families in all the United States. So, uh, and they get there by exploiting their workers. Yeah. Exploiting labor, being combative towards unions when- And uh, being anti-competition, like we were talking about earlier. That's right. And, and you could, and yet they could lose- less than 5% of their wealth yeah. and distribute that to their workers and make them have a better life and actually help out quite a lot of people instead yeah. of the United States, some, they're paid so little in some areas because their, their minimum wage, I think is $7.25 yeah, US, still. that they have to live off food stamps. So it's actually draining the government's money because they're treating their workers so shitty. Yeah. And so you have to be such scum to hoard all that wealth yeah, no. and, and try and dodge taxes. It's gross. Anyways. <laughs> so. Guatemala. Taking a, break, taking a break from Canadian news. Yeah, we're going on to Guatemala. We're going to be going on to what's been going down in Guatemala. The riots and protests, dog. The, yes. And Holy the, So fuck. what was happening was, so what had happened was I was scrolling down Reddit. <laughs> yeah. 
and Deep in the Reddit hole. On public freakout, the subreddit, okay. there was yeah. a video that was posted of a building that was on fire. It looked pretty official. Oh, and uh, like a big uh, protest was going on and yeah. they were uh, breaking into this building. And it turns out that's the, uh, that was the Guatemalan parliament. Nice. That was on fire. And at one point in the video, nice. you can see there's a big fire going on yep. through the window. And then there's a door there and they're trying to ram into the door and then it cuts and they've broken into the door and they're oh, in fuck. the parliament. Um, and people are, are pissed off. People are angry. Riot of course. Police, riot police show up with tear gas and they're, you know, and yeah. beating the crap out of people. And what's going on in Guatemala? <laughs> what happened? What, so I don't even know. Let's just I haven't explain. read the story, actually. All right, so this is, this <laughs> this is, is new, new for, for me. Whatever. So in Guatemala, protesters broke into the congressional building and set fire to it as mass demonstrations rocked the capital last week uh, on November 21st. So let's just explain why there are protests. And there's a series of events that occurred which okay. led to this happening. So in the first week of November, yep. actually beginning at the, uh, the last day of October, and ending on November uh, 13th, um, Guatemala and other Central American countries, especially Nicaragua, mm -hmm. were hit by Hurricane Ita. And that hurricane uh, left 53 people dead and 96 missing in Guatemala. 343,000 people were directly affected by the storm, and it caused uh, $386 million U.S. Uh, in infrastructure damage. It messed up the country. And then... On November 16th, I think it was from November... Actually, I think the first hurricane was ending on November 8th. Okay. And then another one came on November 16th. A week later. Uh, they were hit by another hurricane. Uh, hurricane Iota. Iota. Although damages were significantly less, uh, the torrential rain uh, must have made some people pr quite miserable. In fact, I think two people were, were uh, injured due to result. that that second hurricane yeah so they they were uh bucked by two hurricanes a week apart from each other that's right and to add on to all this guatemala has suffered 2379 deaths from coronavirus yeah now compared to uh to the world uh guatemala is not actually it's not doing terrible they're not, they're not, not doing great, that bad it's they're doing mediocre yeah but then what happened on november 17th president alejandro giamate and the legislature passed a budget, the 2021 budget, which was voted uh, yes by 115 out of the 160 members of Congress, so quite a significant amount, yeah. which significantly cut social programs on malnutrition, education, poverty, housing, and health, as well as the budgets for the judiciary and ombudsman's office. The ombudsman, for those who are unfamiliar with that term is, an ombudsman is an official appointed to investigate individuals complaints against maladministration especially that of public authorities okay so, so they're taking they're, they're taking the funding away from, from them and that also this budget approved $65,000 to pay for congressional meals but cut funding also cut funding for coronavirus patients and like I mentioned human rights, human rights agencies. agencies funding uh, was instead prioritized uh, to big infrastructure uh contracts and some of those infrastructure contracts those companies that they were given to mm -hmm. um have government um ties of course of course so that's always going immediately following this everybody happens. was pissed off uh, understandably yeah. clashes erupted um i mean that friday on the 20th also i would like to mention that this was passed overnight and negotiated in secret 
this budget. That's gross. That's gross. So 7,000 people were demonstrating in front of the National Palace in Guatemala City against the budget. Yeah. Protesters, of course, say that it was negotiated in secret, which it actually was. They didn't release much details about it while they were negotiating the bill. Also, they say that, well, everyone was distracted due to, you know, to back-to-back hurricanes and also the COVID-19 pandemic that people are dealing with. And uh, so in downtown Guatemala City, protests were largely peaceful. Local media outlets and the ombudsman's office reported uh, excessive use of force by security forces, injuring at least 17 protesters, Oof. Uh, according to Human Rights Watch. So that, that's more than oof. That's, and that's of course, also gross. Of course, there were other segments, like I mentioned, that in front of the uh, congressional building that yeah. brought out a guillotine. Actually yeah. brought out a physical. No, I heard about that. I heard about that part. They brought out a fucking guillotine. Yeah. Nobody like, got guillotine, but you know, still. And they were. The fucking French in them. <laughs> <laughs> they were quite a bit more uh, violent uh, and broke into the. the I mean, they're going hard. Building. But you know, when you piss off the hard. people, you gotta, you're gonna have to deal with them. Yeah, I mean, it's the French in them. So, like I was saying, so there, of course, that one segment was a little bit more violent and brought yeah. out a guillotine in front of the. Of the congressional building and broke into it, set fire to before it. Before it was stormed. But there was a, a large, most of the protests were peaceful and they were met with uh, extreme brutality from the police. And, and there were um, various, so 17 protests were injured. Uh, various videos on Twitter directly from them that showed people uh, facing off against riot police, of course, with the tear gas and rubber bullets. Um, police were also attacking pedestrians on the street after dark with water cannons and and one of the the videos they they spray down some people and then cops jump out and they just start beating them with batons and uh another vid has them uh, uh they're dragging people across the street cops are dragging them across the street to arrest them so of course after while these mass protests were going on um the vice president Guillermo Castillo had offered to resign resign in tandem with Gia Matei mm-hmm offered it, telling him that both men should resign their positions for the good of the country. Uh, he also suggested vetoing the approved budget, firing government officials, and attempting more outreach to various sectors around the country. Giamatte uh, did not did, respond. They didn't respond, but they, uh, they shelved the budget, though. Yeah, on Monday, the, 20th, the 23rd, the Speaker of the House used his power um, with 16 other lawmakers who represented the parties of their Congress agreed to shelve the bu- budget. Yeah. So the budget was killed. Yeah. Because of these mass protests. Which is good. <laughs> yeah. For the, for the people, at least. I would also like to point out that this government uh, is conservative. Yeah, well, only a conservative government would do that. And be cutting all those, those important agencies, yeah. especially during the coronavirus season. The whole idea is that the economy is shit, so to get the economy back up, we have to steal money from the poor people, put it into the economy. Now, who owns the economy? The rich. The billionaires. Right? Who lives in the economy? Yeah. Everyone else. <laughs> so, yeah. So a solution for the rich. Yeah. Rugged individualism for the poor. Yeah, that's the whole idea behind it, which is shitty. Shitty. So also something to mention, um, so this is conservative leadership. I looked yeah. at the parliament of Guatemala, yeah. as I did for parliament of Peru, to look at what parties they have. Yeah. So we had no ex- ultra-nationalistic parties. No <laughs> That's right. But <laughs> something to note I would like to point out yeah. is 
the party, the single party with the largest number of seats, the single party, not the coalition, because the, the, the governing party right now is conservative and yeah. they have a coalition of conservative parties, but the single party with the most members of the Congress is the Social Democratic Party. Ooh. Ooh. They're lefties and they have 56 seats. That's the, the single party with the largest number of seats in the House. They've formed mm. the opposition with a bunch of other parties too. So something to note, they do have many left-wing parties. Now also, I would just like to point out, we're talking about Guatemala here. Yeah. When you talk about Guatemala, you have to mention a few things. Okay. Okay. What do you have to mention? Well, in 1956. 1956. That's a while back. That is a while back. There was a leftist uh, president in Guatemala who was elected democratically, and he was doing land reform, and he was impro- uh, uh, had a minimum wage put in place. Mm-hmm. And um, all left wing things. That's that right. Left wing people do. And it was making the country uh, population have a better standard of living. And then President Eisenhower had the CIA train a large force of Guatemalan uh, exiles and invaded the country, basically undertook a coup d'etat and overthrew the leadership of Guatemala, putting in place a military dictatorship since 1956. Yeah. It was late into the 80s when it ended finally. Yeah. And of course, that sparked a civil war that lasted the whole time of, of communists uh, and socialists fighting against them. The whole time, the United States had deep, uh, deep understanding of what was going on in Guatemala. Because they started it. Right. And they had key military officials in uh, high up positions in the Guatemalan government. Mm-hmm. And we were giving them aid and stuff. So during that time, they were committing politicide. They had death squads that would go door to door and find people who were communists and murder them. You know, disappearances, which the CIA taught to other South American countries. Yep. And... It was pretty fucked up. It's, it's U.S. imperialism to a T. That's right. what they do around the world. In 1981 to 1983, they committed genocide. Mm-hmm. And it is generally accepted that genocide occurred in Guatemala from 1981 to 1983. They began to systematically kill all of the Mayan population in the northern parts of the country, which formed the basis of the communist uh revolutionaries mm-hmm. their base of support so they just started to eliminate them that's one way to get rid of uh political ideology is and to the whole time the u.s knew about it the whole time the u.s knew about it Three hundred thousand people it. died Three hundred thousand people fucking died and they just sat there and let it happen that's right they trained the people that's right and they had death squads roaming around if you're not familiar with what a death squad is death squad is a group of people who get together and they say that we are going to hunt for people of a certain political party. So and communists in this scenario. In this scenario, it would be communists um, or just leftists in general and, or anarchists too. And then the, the police uh, form a communication with them, covert communication with these groups, mm-hmm. and then they share information with them and tell them to go you know, go do this, go to this area and kill these people, find these people and disappear them. Uh, Which means they kill them. Extrajudicially with, yeah. uh, with no uh, arrest, no trial, no nothing. It's gross. And so It's gross. Uh, it's fucked up. And so that country uh, has had a long past of uh, police brutality and fucked up shit. 
Yeah, so, you, you you see places that have really fucked up, uh, um, just uh, uh, not societies. What is the word I'm looking for? History, culture. Uh, not culture. Just they have a really fucked up system right now, where they have like a dictator or whatever. Yeah, establish establishment put up. You see, if you look in their history, the U.S. usually has something to do with it. The U.S. usually history. had uh, had places in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think it's the exception is when the U.S. was not involved. What? What? What do you mean? Yeah, yeah. The exception like, of of U.S. non-involvement is yeah. when the U.S. is not involved. Yeah, that's no. But the exception of places with like these uh, far right dictators or whatever. Yeah, is like the only places that have uh, these things there are when there was a foreign power. Usually the U.S. that comes in and fucks shit up, basically uh, uh, does a coup and uh, props up uh, props up the dictator. You see it in the Middle East. You see it in uh, um, or they use sanctions. Latin America. They use, they use sanctions as trade well. Sanctions so that's well. like Venezuela. Mm-hmm. Venezuela is not that way because of their political system. It's that way because the U.S. sanctioned them so hard and illegal under international law. Yeah. Um, that they can't, they literally have no supplies and people are starving because they don't allow food into the nation. Right. And 500,000 people also died in Iraq in the 90s because yeah. the, the sanctions that were being put on Iraq um, against medical supplies. That's yes. why so many people died because they, they were not be allowing medical supplies that are only manufactured in the United States to be sold to Iraq. And the United Nations said, you can't do that. That that's causing a humanitarian crisis in, in Iraq. Yeah. And and Bill Clinton and the rest of Congress said, well, we don't give a fuck. Well, they also um, trained the Mujahideen. In Afghanistan. In, in Afghanistan. We're going on such, such a tangent. Right? Yeah, I know. But they trained them, and then that eventually became Al-Qaeda. Um, right. And they were paying uh, all of this Bin Laden and all this shit. So. All of this stuff could be brought into a long special. Yeah. So we'll, we'll talk about this later. Anyways. So anyways, um, now that we're done talking about... Uh, the Mujahideen. Guatemala. Yeah, that was the, there's no connection there. Guatemala. And what went down there? Well, let's return back to Canada. <laughs> Here we have an article that, that I saw. It says universal uh, child care would generate up to $29 billion a year in tax revenues, a new report says. So, uh, a- brutal. So across brutal. Canada, universal child care system would generate, socialism. would generate $17 billion. $29 billion in annual government revenues and easily pay for itself in the long run. Um, the report was from the Center for Future Work. Uh, it finds that the combination of jobs created by an expanded child care system and increased participation in the labor force by women would add more than $100 billion to Canada's GDP. So this is a, an instance of socialization or nationalization of a, of a private industry that if conservatives were actually principled, they would get behind. Yeah. Because this improves Canada's GDP and it uh, Quality of life. creates more uh, jobs yeah. in the workforce. Even if Canada were to adopt the most ambitious proposals that have been put forth with estimated costs as high as 70 to $80 billion over 10 years, the report finds that the long-term economic benefits would still exceed the costs. Yeah. So we should do it. Yeah, it's almost like a no-brainer. Like, oh, we have the, the it saves money. We have for the, the data right here. We could cut taxes if we nationalize this. 
Exactly. Right. So you another... think you would think conservatives would also be on board with that instance, yeah, right? You would you would think, but they're not principled. And they just look at it and and see, oh, but it's oh, you have to nationalize. Oh, you have to get rid of private companies. Yeah. Well, we can't do that. Yeah, it's kind of gross again. So a national child care system would create more than two hundred thousand new jobs, uh, another eighty thousand jobs in the upstream and downstream industries, uh, and the including eight thousand construction jobs needed to build or retrofit child care facilities. Yeah, so. so jobs are being created not only for the care of the kids, but um, with the uh, uh, infrastructure and the construction. Right, it would create many jobs. So there's more jobs, not just specific to the industry. The childcare industry, right. And if you want even more proof that this is a profitable venture for the government to take, in Quebec, which already has a universal low-cost childcare uh, system and the highest participation by women in the labor force of any province. Which is a pretty good uh, correlation there. Yes. Research shows that their childcare system is profitable for the government. Every $100 spent by the province yields $104 in provincial tax revenues and $43 for federal coffers. There you go. There you go. So it's already That's working you in Canada. Yeah, we already provincially. got the fucking system. So <laughs> it's a no-brainer. Do the thing, my dude. Isn't this, this, is, this is better? This is good political public relations. Everybody, you can just, you can just advertise this nonstop. Yeah. Listen, guys, we've got a universal childcare system. Well, there you go. Yeah, it creates more money the than numbers not say, doing it. The numbers say do it. It's as simple as that. Do we, do we know if they're going to propose a bill? Usually, I, I almost guarantee it's going to be proposed by the NDP. I haven't heard dick about that. No, I haven't either. Um, I mean, if anybody would be in support of it, it would be the NDP. Well, the NDP will probably be the ones to propose it, and then they have to convince the liberals to yeah, do it. To drag, the, drag their yeah. lazy asses to go and do the something Liberals good. don't want to fucking do it. No, they never want to do anything. No, because they, they agree with uh, conservatives on most things. Right, even though they begrudgingly would deny that. Yeah, um, but and the conservatives are just like they just probably won't want to do it. Right, I'll be surprised if they did. If they did, I would give them credit though. Yeah, yeah, because you know there, there's there's political ideologies. Yeah, and and you can severely dislike uh, other certain political ideologies, but you yeah. also have to respect people who remain principled to their ideology and don't uh, change their uh change their preferences or their Beliefs. support for yeah. certain ideas just to fa- fit a partisan goal yeah. or a partisan reason or i won't support that that bill because it wasn't proposed by my party yeah and and bullshit like that which is which is a problem especially in the parties themselves like in canada you can get literally get kicked over party if you don't vote a certain way yeah, yeah, that's true. So the leadership has a lot of control. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit different than the uh, states, how the states work. That's right. Where the, is the majority of the problem, I believe. Mm-hmm. At least you have an excuse here. Alrighty, and, and also some other, uh, some other information we got. So uh, Albertans, so a recent poll was done for the, uh, an environics research poll. Yep. Um, of 1,205 Albertans uh, taken from November 10th to uh, 23rd shows that uh, the NDP provincially is in the lead in Alberta. Which is interesting because they're the uh, hub of the oil and gas industry in I mean, Canada. They, they're bluer than blue. Yeah. Federally, they, they vote blue. Well, that's blue. because of the oil. That's why I was well, mentioning yeah. it. And, and so the NDP being up 
in Alberta. Man. I mean, if you want to know how much, the poll found 47% of decided voters would support Rachel Notley and the NDP, which is up from 33% in the 2019 election. So up 14 points. With only 40% uh, would vote for the re-election of Jason Kenney, the Conservatives. Which is down 14 points. So the, the people that were voting Conservative there, the losses went to the NDP, which is interesting. Right. And which so, is weird. Actually, that's, that's super interesting. Well, they have a seven-point lead now. NDP yeah, have now, a seven-point lead, they have a seven which point is lead. good. Now, I don't know when the next election would be. I mean, they just had it in 2019, I'm, though, I'm so it would be in a, quite a while. Yeah, but I'm just surprised that it's probably due to... Um, Their liberal party is just weak as fuck. Yeah. We switch from conservative to no, NDP I, all the time. I agree, but like, that's why is this a thing? It's probably because the oil sands are losing money now. Yeah, actually, and they're yeah, losing jobs uh, there, right? Right, and and the conservatives put all their eggs into one basket, yeah. into the oil basket, which we as a global society need to move away from. That's right. Of course, everybody knows that. But it's hard to do that when your paycheck relies on it. Yeah. So uh, NDP are the, is the party that supports you when you lose a job or yeah, you need you need something, right? So. I'd also like to point out that social safety net. Basically, NEP has I mean. formed government in in Alberta before. Yeah, and that's the reason why Alberta has a fifteen dollar minimum wage because yeah. they um, the NEP <laughs> raised it. So they're they're there you go. powerful down there. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you everybody for listening, and uh, so that's uh, that's all we had on the agenda today, folks. Yeah, um, hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, hopefully, hopefully we'll see we'll see the reviews. <laughs> <laughs> So we'll be asking you guys. Hopefully the next, uh, we're thinking that the next episode will be perhaps a special of perhaps. some kind. A special entails that we focus on one particular subject. When it's, it's a special is, it? is whenever we deviate from the, from the usual of covering uh, recent news events. Yeah, so the regular so programming. Talking. Yes, maybe talking <laughs> more so about specific issues, topics. In-depth analysis on a certain uh, story or issue. Yeah, I think uh, the next or this one will be um, the political compass. We'll take the political compass quiz. We'll do one of them and uh, see what happens. Oh yeah, Derek and I will fight. Oh yeah. But anyways, uh, so yeah, guys, hope you guys enjoyed. Um, make sure if you want to support the podcast, make sure you download it. Download it, and if you can, leave a review and a comment. Um, you can. I'm going to be making social medias and stuff now, so you can follow those eventually. And <laughs> we'll see. We're not. Uh... Alrighty. Well, All right. that was the Canadian perspective. Yeah. Signing off. <laughs>